Any workout, any mood, any time. That's what the Peloton Tread is all about. From interval runs that motivate you to go the extra mile, power walks that work up a sweat, rolling hill hikes for you to enjoy, and full body boot camps to hit your goals. Plus thousands of workouts that go beyond the tread. Strength programs, core classes, yoga, Pilates, and even boxing. Everything you need on and off the Peloton Tread. Experience it all for yourself with a 30-day home trial. Learn more at OnePeloton.com. Sure, we have 30 seconds to tell you that drivers who switch to Progressive could save big. But then what? Well, there is a nice piece of stock music playing behind me that a talented composer worked really hard on. So let's enjoy it. Almost overshadows the saving big when you switch to progressive parts. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. May 2019 and it was I, I'm a big networker I love chatting with people mm. and I'm just curious about stories and storytelling and people's mm. lives and I was like I'm already doing it with people I might as well make it a podcast you know yeah I relate to that that's my favorite if I could get paid to just sit and listen to other people tell their stories and <laughs> ask slightly invasive questions all slightly day invasive. yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're in storytelling, correct? Or you've worked in storytelling. I mean, I, I'm yeah. curious, uh, reading through your bio that, you know, you really said you learned some storytelling chops through HBO when you worked there. So, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm literally doing the job that I think is the closest to getting paid to listen to people to okay. tell their stories all day. So my, my boss, I worked at HBO for, uh, two years out of college. Mm-hmm. Um, I did the whole thing where you moved to LA Mm -hmm. and I worked on a couple different sets in LA. So I was on like the Warner brothers lot, um, in the pre-pandemic world, which was fun. Like the NBC lot, um, a lot of good memories of getting paid minimum wage and working 12 hour days there, but like truly lovely memories. Sure. sure. Um, and then I moved to HBO, the network and, yeah, I just, I bopped around there a little bit. I worked in a couple of different departments, um, but I was just so enchanted from the moment I started at HBO by their storytelling quality. Um, and I was, oh, I was always, I mean, you know, Game of Thrones, like season eight mm-hmm. came out when I was there. So that was, wow. that was fun. But, <laughs> but I would say, you know, I was really always more interested in the nonfiction. I really like real people. And so now I, I actually work with one of HBO's, um, directors director who has an overall hbo aaron lee carr who is just like so amazing and tells women's stories and documentaries she's she's great yeah what was it about the storytelling there that um made you really feel connected to it the way they do work Mm -hmm. there is is that what it is such a good question Mm -hmm. wow i think it's just 
HBO is so not afraid to go anywhere. You that's know, so I mean? true. That's right? so true. Right? <laughs> I would say that's like true across all of their content, scripted, unscripted. Like, yeah, they just were that network that back in the nineties, when everyone was a little more PC, they were not. They were doing sex stuff, you know, and not yeah. like in a perverse yeah. way, really, but more in just a way of like, this is a part of life. Let's explore it, you know. And I. I think even today, like their content is just so cutting edge. Yeah. I mean, I remember growing up in the eighties and, uh, I watched a lot of HBO. Like you a did ton, a megaton <laughs> HBO back, uh, so many great movies back yeah. then. It was a few kind of documentary style things, but it was, and I find like I have HBO max now and I'm, I'm watching it and I'm seeing stuff like mayor of East town. Are you watching mayor? Oh my gosh. I'm Are watching it. Oh, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. With it. Who do you think killed Aaron? Oh man, that's a tough. You know what? They're throwing you off. They're trying to throw you off. Yeah. On the yeah. show, they're like, "Oh, maybe it's the priest." Okay, okay. well, Definitely maybe not the priest. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then you're like, "Oh, maybe it's uh, you know, Dylan, right? Maybe it's you know, you know, it's all these things." I don't know. Left me th- honestly. I don't know. I really don't know. So I have a couple, a few of my friends, because we were all like 22, 23 when we were working there as assistants. Mm-hmm. And so a few of my friends are still there and I text them. I'm like, because we, we used to get episodes in advance. <laughs> I'm like, did you watch? And they were like, yes. And I was like, I almost wanted to ask who did it, yeah. but I usually love spoilers. But for this, this show, There's I no mean, spoilers. It's, like, no. I, it's the best show I've seen in years. So I don't want spoilers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually am upset that it comes out like once a week. I can't Same. stand that. I really don't like that. Night? I watched last night. Sorry, people. Like Evan Peters gets killed. Sorry. <laughs> he gets shot in the head. And I was like, no, Evan Peters. No. No. <laughs> I, know. I, know. I, I want you back on American Horror Story. Come on. <laughs> yeah, he was on WandaVision too. We're yeah. in an Evan Peters, Peters era right now. We really like, are. He's an incredible yeah. actor. And I'm like, man, what a deal. Like he's dead. Like, what's going on? it was fearless when he died I was like I was sitting on the couch probably for two minutes just like saying to my partner like is it real like he he can't actually be dead right yeah my wife was saying she was like there's no way he's dead I'm like no he's dead he got shot (laughs) I know I know he got shot in the head your wife have that in common yeah he's not coming back from this I'm pretty sure he's like (laughs) it was like so hopeful you're like oh you're starting to kind of see him come out of a shell a little bit Yes. Him and Mare thing. But that's the mm-hmm. HBO thing. Just like so many. And then I bopped to like my absolute favorite show on HBO is uh, Raised by Wolves. So oh. like, whew. Oh wow, is goodness. that popular right now? I've, I've literally heard no one talk about it. Oh my gosh. Because you know what? I'm a huge sci-fi fan. Okay. And uh, I just destroyed the show like as quickly <laughs> as possible. I'm just enchanted by like far away planets and mm. and it's the humanity of the show. Even as robots yeah. raising humans, it's, it's, it's the humanity that comes out in the story. Completely. And they're willing to go there to like do crazy stuff. Literally, they're like, yeah, we're gonna kill off Ned Stark at the end of season one. Yeah, <laughs> like they I will mean, go anywhere. Yeah. It's amazing. So yeah. that feels like that really pulled you in that how they they move towards stories in a very unapologetic way it feels like completely and i think you know my friends would always say to me when i was in la i had 
a couple girlfriends. We went a lot of places together and mm -hmm. met a lot of new people together. And um, one of my friends would say to me, like, Kaylee, you ask the most like invasive questions, but not, it was somehow like not in a bad way, you know? She's yeah. like, she's like, literally, like, you just go for it and ask, like, oh, you know, this happened to you? Are you okay? Like, <laughs> I want to know more. I gravitate towards those big, those big stories sort of yeah 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 i actually i well before the pandemic i was in la a decent amount of time oh really and i just visited for fitness conferences and stuff and i would always oh, like okay. hang out at faith and flower or yeah. the library and i would ask people questions there and stuff very similar kind of thing yeah you know? yeah it's, it's the best fun. and and by the way that what did you say faith and flower is that yeah. what it's called yeah i love that place in santa monica yes it's awesome it's really cute yeah yeah great place so uh identify with that just I'm curious about how people tell stories and what are their lives like for that and that's a big part of storytelling so you're telling women's stories apparently that's kind of a large deal right yeah yeah it's I I almost said I only care about women's stories <laughs> which is uh not great but no I mean I, I guess at least right now at this phase of my life I've definitely kind of honed in my focus because I, I do love all stories, right? I love like the Evan Peters storyline on Mare of Easttown, but um, I was raised by all women. I mean, my dad, mm -hmm. like, bless his heart, he was there. He, he put in like just as much effort, but there was only one of him. There was one man and then it was my mom, my two grandmas or three grandmas actually. Two of them live within a two mile radius of my house. My aunt, who also lives within that same radius, then she has a daughter. Then we have, I have two younger sisters. So, I mean, my house was just all women all the time. And, yeah. um, and so, you know, I grew up listening to them tell their stories to each other. I would eavesdrop. I would hope that they would let me stay awake while they had like their second glass of wine, mm. you know? And, uh, and there was just something so enchanting about the way they spoke to each other. Cause it was so honest and vulnerable and they were all such confident women but at the same time they were definitely asking each other for advice asking each other to you know double check their math and and stuff on things and I, I wrote about it in my book there I think those types of conversations growing up on those is what made me not only unafraid to ask people whatever question comes to mind but also most interested in those questions that usually you're not like supposed to ask like about like money or religion or sex or something like that um so yeah that's kind of how i ended up doing documentary films about the ones we're making are about like murder and yeah. <laughs> legal battles so yeah you know besides kind of being raised by so many sounds like amazing women What's, what's maybe the deeper story behind storytelling about women that is really kind of exciting or fascinating that you think people gravitate to? Mm, that's such a great question. Well, I think people in general gra gra gravitate, sorry, ugh, uh, people in general gravitate towards women's stories. I think because, I mean, we're 50% of the population mm -hmm. and uh, at least when I was being raised even, which I was born in the 90s, barely even qualify as a 90s kid because I was so little, but like, mm -hmm. you know, growing up in 
the late nineties, early two thousands, I just feel like even I was raised on a diet of more women as supporting characters, you know? And I do love living in it. it I love living in this era of like women coming forward with their stories um, and, and women being the center, like in Mare of East town, we have this beautifully, wonderfully flawed female character. Yes. I had I don't I truly don't think and maybe you can check my math on this but I had never seen such a complex flawed but yet still deserving woman character until I watched like sharp objects and you know I I don't know this concept of woman not being just beautiful and smart and a good mom and also have a great job you know I, I think that that builds a tall order for women who are watching. And I do love this new wave of really messy women. I love that, the new wave of messy women. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that we shows, all are, uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> but so, you know what I was thinking the other day when I was watching, I'm like, who has this much drama in their life? Like constantly, I'm like, <laughs> I mean, that life has fallen apart constantly for Mayor. Well, she makes a lot of bad decisions too, but you know. She's a little toxic. I think yeah. she might be hiding who the murderer is. She might know more than she's letting. Oh, oh, that's big. That's just my feeling. It's, I haven't talked to my HBO friends, but yeah, but yeah, I don't know. So, I, and I also think like why I gravitate towards women's stories is like just I am a woman, so I think I see myself in them more. I was watching sports the other day. Are you a sports mm -hmm. fan? I am. Okay. So I was watching football back when it was still on. So before the Super Bowl, I guess. And I just had this realization, like, I think the reason I've never been interested in sport woman is so simple. It's just because I don't see myself on the screen. Mm. You know what I mean? I don't know. Interesting. Very interesting. Where do you see kind of women's filmmaking and stories about women going in the future? You know, we see what we're doing now, but where does it go? Hmm. Wow, you're full of great questions. <laughs> Been doing this a while. <laughs> so, so one place that I hope it goes that has been particularly inspiring to me because I am a woman in my 20s is, um, you know, I first before I started working for my boss, I read her her memoir, which was uh, it's called All That You Leave Behind, and it's about her dad dying and her alcoholism, her getting fired from jobs and then still becoming a successful documentary director. And um, yeah, I read that book around the same time I watched uh, like Sharp Objects and whatever. But anyways, Erin wrote the book when she was in her 20s. Um, and as I've been going around trying to promote my book, I have spoken to a couple, like a few different female podcast hosts in their 20s. And, you know, I think most of the women that I interviewed for my book, whose stories are in my book, I, they are in their 20s. And I just think that where I hope storytelling goes next is having a main character, a main female character in her 20s also be flawed. Because I, mm. I will say, I do have this feeling that like, even though Mare can be flawed or Amy Adams can be flawed, like in their late thirties, forties, yeah, I do feel that there is some pressure still, um, maybe more pressure I'll say for women in their twenties to be like a little more polished and a little less 
messy, which is just so ironic because I think your 20s are just the messiest decade. (laughs) (laughs) You're just trying to like survive your 20s sometimes, you know? Yes, all the time. (laughs) Like all the time. I... I'm just happy I made it out of my 20s. I didn't do anything crazy, but it's just kind of like I'm much smarter now than I used to be. Like in my 20s, I would like say and like do really stupid things. And like my 43 year old self's like, what was that all about? (laughs) (laughs) I turned 26 like a month ago. And when I turned 26, we all cheers. And I was like, my frontal lobe is finally done developing. Finally, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, now you're become mature. You're maturing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but not too much. Yeah. Don't mature too much. That's don't right. That. <laughs> right. <laughs> Got to be a little yeah. immature. <laughs> you know, I feel like there's just this disregard sort of in a way of like, yeah, women in their 20s stories also, which is semi like a premise of my book is mm-hmm. uh, Christine Blasey Ford, um, you know, when she went through the Kavanaugh hearings, yeah, uh, I felt that even though she was a real, like, older and, um, you know, really accomplished woman, professor at Stanford, I think she has four degrees, like, she's crazy. Um, and, you know, she still told this story about something that happened to her in high school. And, you know, so when she was a young woman, and yeah, it still was disregarded. And so in my kind of, you know, observant, like I was just observing that trial. I was hopeful. I was so hopeful after, yeah. uh, after Hillary lost, I was like, at least like this can go right. You know, cause when Hillary lost, I was like, can I ever be president? Can any woman mm-hmm. ever be, you know, not even just yeah. me, like any, um, and, and so when that happened, I was like, oh, not only am I not reassured, but I'm also questioning now the value of young women's stories. And I just, I hope there's like this renaissance of us sharing them. Interesting. What do you think that the story of women in their twenties is now compared to what maybe you've heard about it in the past? Uh, well, since I'm living it, I hear all my friends in their twenties and their stories every day, but you know, it's so, it's, it's so intoxicating because it's so rife with high highs, low lows, Mm. you know, my friend is getting married and just bought a house, but then like didn't get into law school, you know, which isn't that happens, but for her, it's devastating. Like I have friends who are, you know, yeah, like being cheated on, (laughs) you know, I have friends who are, have all sorts of professional success. And then I have friends who are living at home and I I just love the spectrum. And I love how also the spectrum can exist within every single, every single woman in her twenties. And I hope, and I think that spectrum exists in all of us, right? Like I'm sure when you were in your twenties, like you're a man, whatever, like, I think it exists in all of us, but I just, I don't know. I hope that I think people are being more vocal about it, which is good. Yeah. You know what? It, what makes me think about it is uh, on HBO. This is an HBO thing, apparently. <laughs> We're sponsored by We're HBO. sponsored by HBO. <laughs> HBO, come on, hook me up. <laughs> but that show Generation on there mm. and Euphoria, again, mm-hmm. two crazy shows on HBO. Seriously. Yeah. Hard hitting, super hard hitting. But, you know, when I watched those shows, I had no identification with those shows of being that mm-hmm. age during this mm-hmm. time because it felt so foreign to my journey in high school. Uh, I was like, man, how different is the world for people? 
now. I mean, there's yeah. similar themes, you know, being that age, but uh, it's definitely also very unfamiliar at the same time. And I think that's a good- Do you think it mostly thing. comes back to the tech? Is that why it's I think so? so. I think that, and yeah. I, I think I think the internet changed everything a long time ago. Like I grew up without the internet. So I don't, I remember not having a cell phone. I'm jealous of you. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I remember <laughs> I that. Like I literally, Yeah. okay, before this, I just was walking around outside. It probably looked crazy. I mean, I live in, it's like, I'm just looking around at the trees and the water, the ocean. And I'm like, what was it like? I, I got to remember this time before all this technology. Like I couldn't just come yeah. and be on my phone and stuff or just, and I think that's what's so different about these shows is there's a phone in every show. There's technology in every show. The characters are always on their phones, on dates and things of that nature. And that feels somewhat insidious and disturbing mm -hmm. on some I level. Know. You know what I mean? Do you mean? remember the first time you watched a TV show and there was texting in it? It was so no, awkward when they I were don't. first trying to figure it out. <laughs> I feel like I remember watching TV shows and being like, ugh, they put text in it, like gross. I don't yeah, like it. I don't but but now it's so normal because it's just so how we communicate. And yeah. There's yeah. something strange about it though. And even in our story, it's invaded our storytelling so much. It really yeah. has. Do you think it's made us I mean it's definitely made us worse storytellers, right? Or is there some room for debate there? I think there's some room for debate. I mean, I think the technology, it's its just part of our lives. It's not going to mm. like go away. It's going to mm. keep yeah. trending forward, but how much of it should be part of, you know, moving forward in our storytelling. It, yeah. It's interesting. I watched on uh, Hulu, um, I think it was called The First or something like that. It was a show with Sean Penn, great actor. Great and actor. oh my gosh. And it was basically this story about, him being the first part of this first crew going to Mars. It was only one season. I was not happy. They just stopped at one oh, we I was that. not happy about that. Okay. <laughs> Producers and stuff. I'm not into that. All right. But, <laughs> but, and the show was, it was the future, but in the future, there weren't cell phones. There was a lot of technology, but people weren't like on their phones, like ever. They weren't ever on a phone. And I remember thinking, I oh. remember a life like that. And it was enjoyable actually, <laughs> you know? Wow. So how did they get rid of phones? Because I mean, if we can use that as a, a guideline, I would love to know. It seemed like it was just kind of part of like homes or like yeah. people's bodies and things of that nature, uh, which I think we're kind of moving towards that on some level. Watch. Where, Apple Watch. Yeah, watches. Mine on, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like this, this kind of disintegration of technology from physical hardware into this kind of bio hardware. Yeah, in a yeah. sense, yeah. And I think that's coming. I really do. I think phones are going to be dead soon. Maybe in the next ten years, there will be no more phones. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna lie. Do you have the Apple Watch? Mm -hmm. I don't know. So I actually, I was really hesitant because I would get annoyed when I'd be out to dinner with someone and they'd mm -hmm. be like checking their wrist. I'm like, you're <laughs> just wanting to get out of here. I know. Yeah. But ever since I got mine, I'm like, oh, this is no, this is great. I look at my phone yeah. so much less. I don't have to, I don't take my phone out of my bag at dinner and put it on the table. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I actually think it is helpful. So I hope we can harness it because yeah. I just look at these kids, like you're back to what you were saying about um, euphoria and, mm -hmm. uh, and generation, like, and I have a younger sister who's 19 and some cousins that are in high school. And I just feel so bad for them. You know, I, yeah. I, even I, like I had a, 
chocolate envy or whatever uh phone you know so it was it wasn't an iphone though. only the yeah. really progressive kids had iphones oh, in my okay. high school. <laughs> yeah so i was just doing like t9 word like texting you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what that's called yeah. um and yeah i just i feel bad like having instagram in high school must be really toxic and crazy it's yeah. gotta be crazy you know it's i just you know in keeping in the theme of storytelling i just see yeah. it kind of like really becoming a large part of our storytelling and shows actually when i was watching mayor of east town I, I got annoyed like when she got up at night and they and the daughter and the mother both were using their phones as flashlights and they were like where's the flashlight at like oh i think it's was like <laughs> and they're holding their phones it's like the first thing you do when they get up is hold your phone and i was like there's something not right about this i don't know it's like it threw me off i and thought I about wonder, it i wonder how it's affecting the next generation of storytellers to always have their phones because yeah. you know i feel like as storytellers we learn so much from our like life experiences right from going out not being on your phone not knowing where someone is um and that just kind of are those are the building blocks for good stories and yeah i just wonder yeah are we gonna get all these stories about that are fully over text or what was they, they put out a horror movie that was all over zoom or something right no so really are yeah, I they did. <laughs> I forget. I don't think it was that good, but <laughs> it doesn't sound good at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I think that, you know, I think in this time, the storytelling is, it's definitely more mature in that it's covering a larger base of different types of people, yeah. ethnicities, exactly. genders, you know, it's, it's definitely more inclusive, which I think is really awesome. Just the yeah. technology thing just kind of bugs me about it i'm just yeah because you're 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 getting like shows where like a bunch of younger people are talking to each other but the reality is i never see that i see a lot of people doing this all the time oh you know so i'm like well i guess if it was more realistic it would just be people on their phones all the time <laughs> like, you know? i feel like it's you know in the wellness age that we're in with veganism and sure. yoga and organic food whatever i feel like the new thing now also among that crowd is not being on your phone you yeah, know yeah. <laughs> not bringing your phone with you like going on the subway and just just sitting there yeah i don't yeah. know it's, it's it's a thing now so oh, it's interesting everything kind of rolls back and forth you know it's yeah. kind of like what what was interesting before is different now and i think that's with the storytelling telling i love filmmakers i've had several on the show oh really and i'm good friends with a bunch of them. i'm just like what tell me like what do you like like what are you into because I want to know like your process of why you think this show is good. You know, you make films or documentaries, you know, the people What's ask the you that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think what I was so struck by when I first started working, because, you know, I'm like I said, 26. So I've been working since I was 21 and um, in the industry. And I think one, so I'm still, I'm still like pretty new. I'm at like mm -hmm. my five year mark. Mm -hmm. um, and when I first started working in TV, I was so struck by the fact that somehow at HBO, especially they would, cause it takes what, like two years, sometimes more to develop a show, mm -hmm. a scripted show yeah. or a movie. Yeah. And they would be developing these shows and these movies. And then right before they came out, the zeitgeist would be, you know, around that topic, right? So my book is about sexual assault. I think that's a perfect example. Like mm -hmm. HBO was working on Paterno, um, the oh, movie yeah, yeah. for 
years, years. And then right when it came out, there was, he, that was such a story, you know, and yeah. everyone knew who he was. And I feel like that happens all the time with them, which is crazy because like, that means those people, the, the writers, the showrunners were such visionaries when they came up with yeah. it four yeah. years in advance. You know, how do you know where society's going? Mm. I don't know. Especially when it's changing so fast, so quickly. Yeah. It's uh, the news cycle so quick and what we're into, I think changes so rapidly it's hard. how would you know where that's going to be at that time totally what do your fil filmmaker friends say they're into now because maybe oh, that's man. where it's going maybe we can get a peek into it <laughs> you know like a, a really good filmmaker friend of mine is aaron weisblatt great guy he's in la also mm -hmm. and um when i met him he was doing a fly fishing documentary <laughs> okay, i'm like cool. fly fishing really and he was like yeah i know nothing about it and uh <laughs> <laughs> and I watched, I was like, this is really good. Yeah. And, uh, but it was, you know, but when I started talking, I was like, okay, let's talk about like, what do you like though? Like, what do you watch? And like mm -hmm. once a month we, we compare shows and stuff. Mm. He was like, oh, what we do in the shadows. I'm very into that show. It's a mm -hmm. very, very good show on Hulu. I think it's like okay. FX, maybe it's on FX, but it's, it's about like, it's a comedy, like a very dark comedy with like three vampires in Brooklyn. Oh. It's kind of funny. Oh, it's, it's actually pretty fun. funny. <laughs> but then like the opposite, he goes with, um, uh, I, I can't remember the name fully. It's like, this I know to be true, something like that. Yeah. With Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, mm -hmm. that depressed me completely when I watched yeah. it. It's just no happiness at all. I mean, that's it's, HBO, right? Is it? I know yeah. this much is true. I know this much is true. Yeah, yeah. And I can see he like really likes these hard hitting, dive deep into kind of darkness based things, mm. Mm. which I tend to like everything. I can be in like as long as like it pulls me pretty quickly. Into yeah, it, you know. Yeah, I get that. I get that. I feel so drawn to dark stories, which is so yeah. crazy because in my in my life, I feel like I am a pretty happy person. Yeah, like, yeah. And <laughs> yeah, something about dark stories, I think it just really touches on maybe like the most human parts of our, our nature. Yeah. Like, how do you react when someone dies or right. you know, in the face right. of evil or something? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, in here. <laughs> it's, no, it's true. It's like, I think like the first... 30 or 40 episodes of my podcast, I had a lot of dark interviews, man. And like, really? it was like really dark stuff. I was like, I gotta yeah. lighten it up here. I got people on here whose parents like were murderers and stuff. And I need to like, I need to lighten this up, man. <laughs> I was like, See, you know. I agree, but also I want to go listen to those episodes. Oh my gosh. Or murderers? That's I got Courtney <laughs> Wisely. I think it's episode okay. 88. Okay. I'm okay. Trouble remembering. So fascinating. Because, you know, like it was just like, it was so heavy and for yeah. somebody to tell you their story and not be emotional and telling it yeah. just very straight faced. Yeah. There's something off about that. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know. well, I always think it's such a study in resilience. Yeah. And I, I think maybe it makes us feel better because you know, you're watching this person mm -hmm. and you're like, Oh, they're fine. So yeah. maybe part of you is like, Oh, if something that bad happened to me, yeah maybe I could actually be fine. Because I feel like before something happens to you, it's so easy to be like, oh, I could never live through that. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I could never live through X, Y, or Z tragedy. Crazy and stuff, you know, powerful stuff. That's why I love stories. Like uh, yeah. I'm reading a book now called Blind Pony. I highly recommend it. 
Okay, cool. One of my uh, guests, uh, Samantha Hart, she wrote the book and she was a big Hollywood executive, worked with like Aerosmith and all these folks and stuff. Cool. And uh, it's a really hard hitting uh, book. I think it's like, it's very, it's HBO level. Like I'm going in here. Like there's no Ooh. like PC about it. And I like that. And that's kind of what I think I like about storytelling when they're not so overly PC about stuff, you know, like. You know, our conversation is making me wonder, I, I guess you can tell a story without going there, mm -hmm. but can you tell the whole story? I don't mm. know. I don't know. Cause yeah. I, I feel like, and that's, you know, something that I definitely, definitely encountered with my book a bit was getting people to tell, yeah, more like, obviously it's, it's about sexual assault and rape. Mm -hmm. So I, I did capture those stories, but I was very clear with them that I didn't really want the details. I, I mean, I don't, if they wanted to tell me, I was mm -hmm. happy to hear, especially if it like informed the rest of the story, but yeah. I was much more interested in what happened in the day, the month, the year after, you know, how they healed, like mm -hmm. how they were able to pick themselves up and um, yeah. And recover from that. And, right. and, you know, how our law enforcement system either like helped them or hurt them, which like spoiler alert, yeah. Yeah, it hurt yeah. them. It hurt them, <laughs> it definitely hurt them, yeah. yeah. But you know, it just ties back to what you were saying just in terms of that is the whole story. And I, I feel like maybe, maybe in past decades, I like before I was really into storytelling, I do feel like there was less of a tendency to tell the whole story and more just focus on what was like appropriate or acceptable. Yeah. Do you feel that way? Yeah, I mean, sometimes I think storytelling can be overly limiting of trying yeah. to protect the, um, I don't say sanctity, but the feelings of you know certain populations of people. Mm. And we're not gonna say these words and we're not gonna mm. harken back to these past things. But mm. like, that's what I like about, I swear I'm not sponsored by HBO. I keep going back to this, <laughs> but Exterminate the Brutes on HBO Max. Holy <laughs> crap. That is such a hard hitting four part series on slavery and colonialism. Mm. I mean, yes. they went yes. hard in that. Yeah. Hard. And I appreciate that because it wasn't mm -hmm. sugar coated or like, oh, I'm going to tell a story and kind of gloss over the massacres and, and the, the hard mm. parts of the story. And I think mm -hmm. sometimes today we try to gloss over the hard parts to go, mm. well, this, this, these people may feel bad about this mm, if we show yeah. this, but that's part of the story. I mean, like, yeah, I, I feel like that's how our history books have been written. Just like yeah. glossing over, know, you right? know, <laughs> yeah. we had slavery, but we won't give you any details. Yeah. yeah I, nothing really happened. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I've been meaning to watch, uh, it's called Exterminate, Exterminate All the Brutes. Exterminate the Brutes. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. I've been meaning to watch that. That's a, that's a great docu-series. Yeah. yeah. But it, I also feel like all of these, the true crime realm mm -hmm. that we're in is a bit of like, I mean, I don't know if you watched All Be Gone in the Dark. It was also, you want to guess what network it was on? No, I don't know. I have no <laughs> It was clue. on HBO. It was on HBO. <laughs> I swear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting get you an HBO t-shirt after this. I know. Why would um, I need that? Come on. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do. But no, but it was, it's, I'll be honest, it's about um, the Golden State Killer. And yep. or, mm -hmm. I think he was called the Golden State Killer. Yeah, but he was not just a killer. He was really a rapist. And they do. Yeah. I mean, it is 
dark. They, I haven't been able to watch another true crime documentary since I watched it wow. because they do, I mean, and not in a bad way, it's great storytelling. It really captures a lot of different aspects um, of the story, but they do these intense recreations of like, yes. you feel like you're about to like experience this violence and, um, and yeah, I guess that could be really offensive, but I also feel like it really paints the picture of what was actually happening, you know? Yeah, I think what was one of the more interesting docuseries related to like kind of women's storytelling in a very mm. different way and, and, mm. and a, like a trans woman way was like the lady in yeah. the Dale. And yeah. uh, that I thought was so weirdly done in a masterful way. It, thought, it got such good reviews. It's strange, I, I, <laughs> very strange. Yeah. Yeah. You know what else has been doing really well is um, the Tina doc. Oh yeah. I didn't watch yeah. it, but I heard it was really good. I mean, HBO kind of got kind of set down this road, right? When they put, I mean, they're probably doing it before too, but I think a lot of people noticed when they put out the Michael Jackson documentary mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, that was big. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, most definitely. So, I mean, I think there's lots of ways to tell stories, but you know, from a uh, woman's point of view it, it it feels like there's a lot more stories to still tell yeah and from a variety yeah. of like you're talking about the 20s I'm like oh that's interesting I'm like how do you how do you want that portrayed based off of your experience being in your 20s you know and mm -hmm. because you're like the mayor of Easttown one you're like okay this is kind of like a a grizzled I have lived life for a long time and the fallout mm. of this long life mm. and raising kids and the whole thing versus like, hey, I'm 22, I'm 26, you know, like, what's mm, that like, mm. you know? So much questioning, right? And I, I feel like something that's cool about the decade of the 20s is it is so defined by questions, but then, you know, you you look at these older people like Mayor and Mayor of Easttown, or I don't know if you saw there was this cool documentary about um, this old people's community in Florida. Hmm. Um, and it, it's, it's just amazing because the problems that they are facing in that community are the same exact problems like I'm facing, oh, my friends are facing. Okay. It's, it's almost like this cycle of life thing where Weird. like, you know, they're trying to date because their spouse has passed away or they don't mm. have enough money or, um, you know, one of them is in kind of a bit of a toxic relationship and her husband is mm -hmm. uh, having some self-actualization, uh, maybe like issues, I don't know. So yeah, it's, it's really complex and cool, but I just think that theme of questioning is so universal for everyone. So in thinking about that, what is the biggest question that you're grappling with as a 20 something female? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll, okay, I'll be radically honest here. Let's do it. Um, I think the biggest question I'm grappling with, which probably isn't anything too unique, is just, I've, I'm at the point where I feel like I know who I am enough. And I guess I'm just grappling with like, is there someone who you know, is that acceptable? Is that, is there going to be that one person or, you know, I have friends who accept me obviously, but like that romantic partner who like, that's acceptable. And like, that's like the concept of like soulmates or like mm -hmm. fate or something. I feel like I'm really at the point where I'm like, is that real? Or is that something mm -hmm. we create? 
you know, do mm. we choose, do we choose to make our relationships incredible or are they just incredible? I don't know. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm newly heartbroken. If you can't tell. Yeah. No, no, I couldn't <laughs> tell. I mean, I, the whole, the accepting part, I want to dive deeper into that a little bit. Like, what mm. does that mean? Accepting? Uh, you know, like, I do feel like there's this, this time maybe after you graduate college for a lot of people where you're going out to bars, you're partying, like you've grown up in this school structure, right? This mm -hmm. education structure. So it's, it's easy to know like what's trendy or what like the cool kids are doing or what the cool thing to do is, you know? And then you become an, so at a certain age, especially with the pandemic too, when we've all been so isolated and, and it's this great time of self-reflection where you're like, well, what do I actually like? And I'm like, oh, I actually like reading and writing and, you know, being like alone sometimes, which is a new concept. And okay. I don't know, I, I guess just grappling with like, is that, do other people like that too? Which mm -hmm. also is something that feels a little universal coming out of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. What are we all into right now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know, something about that word accepting, it really, I, I like flagged it <laughs> when I heard it. Not really? a bad way, it's not a bad thing. It just was like, that's yeah. a different way of looking at it in a sense. Yeah. Like, are you, are the things you're into or that you feel you know about yourself, will someone else accept that and yeah. find that to be um, desirable? And right like something to 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 spend time with the person who is who's into these things you know right right and it's this weird thing of because you know i had my sex in the city binge about mm -hmm. two months ago i watched all six seasons back to back and wow i, I mean yeah it was great because it was my first time doing it and i i moved to new york during the pandemic so mm -hmm. i feel like i've never really had like a new york life yet and yeah. uh, they definitely do so i got a head start um yeah. but you know they are also comfortable with themselves and yeah. so sure of who they are and and they're just like all right who's gonna you know who's gonna accept this and i yeah. think they struggle to find people but not not because of anything that's wrong with them just because that's yeah. i don't know it's a tough the odds i don't know how high the odds yeah. are Oh, we'll see. Do, do you think that I'm sorry this I get yeah. pretty invasive this is what I do on my no, show I'm sorry I start hearing stuff I'm like oh man I got <laughs> do you I want, love it do you want the same things you think that a lot of your friends want as a female in your 20s mid 20s oh god you know what I was I was talking to some of my friends the other day and I'm like I know what I want my next book to be about <laughs> very specific mm -hmm. but I just I'm so interested in this time where literally all my friends are at such different phases to so like some of my friends I think are kind of uh not in a bad way or a judgmental way like they're subscribing to the notion of like I found someone that works like well enough and I'm going to make it work and I'm going okay. to improve and what they want is companionship sure. and they're getting it which is great mm -hmm. and I think some of my other friends uh really want like success and um so are working really hard all the time and, and making a lot of, I think money is a driver. I recently learned that about one of my friends, uh -huh. my close friends. She said, you know, I'm at the point where I just want to make money and that's yeah. really all I care about right now. Uh, and I think, you know, what I, what I care about, I think naturally what I care about is 
exploring the human condition and like making advances in healing. So like helping Mm. understand how people heal, uh, healing myself, healing others around me, like knowing how to talk to people in a way that Mm. can heal them. But also, I mean, obviously storytelling to bring it back to what we've been talking about this whole time. How do you tell stories that help people heal? Um, Mm. So, yeah. Why is the healing part so important to you? I guess it it just comes back to growing up and hearing about all of these different problems. And, you know, we have been pretty fortunate and like definitely privileged in my family where like we have a certain level of problem, right? But like even just divorce or Mm -hmm. uh, like addiction or, uh, you know, even just like the themes of masculinity, which we Mm -hmm. all deal with, um, I would say obviously rape and sexual assault. Like I just, I have been privy to so many of these stories in such an intimate way um, through my own experiences, but also through other people. I'm really lucky to have some really close friends who, you know, share pretty vulnerably. Um, and yeah, I just, I'm fascinated by the fact that we can heal. <laughs> like a few of my friends have had their parents die. It's like, how do we, yeah. how do we heal from that? You know? So yeah. yeah, that's amazing. And right now, especially, well, I mean, we're all coming out of this huge collective trauma. Like, do you, mm-hmm. I know they're calling COVID like a trauma, right? Do you feel like it actually was a trauma in your life or no? That's a good question. Um, Cause I think I want to hit you back with a few. Yeah, hit me back. I'm all about. I'll, I'll literally answer anything. I've never had a problem answering <laughs> questions. I mean, I definitely think it was a trauma on, on some sense because regardless of how well you were during it or have been during it or not, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you're you're affected by what you see, what you hear, the stories of mm-hmm. other people, or the stories that are in your home about it. Yeah. You know, for me, like, as far as the, I was, okay, there's different traumas. Maybe there's a trauma of going from working at an office to the trauma of working at home or mm. something, you know, like mm. all mm-hmm. of my work is always remote work. So I, mm. it was a very similar existence for me. It's just, mm-hmm. I wasn't traveling a lot. So, yeah, I mean, but yeah, I mean, the trauma of being away from family members who live far away, that's difficult. You know, yeah. um, I've experienced that, still experience that. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, so there's a story there. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah. I actually told my wife the other day, I said, can you imagine the documentaries that are going to be coming out in the next year or two about <laughs> COVID and all the thousands of stories within wrapped up inside the, yeah. this whole thing? There's yeah. going to be some amazing, mind-blowing documentaries. Yeah. About this whole time. Yeah. I know. Well, there already are a few. There's uh, that Diamond Princess um, cruise documentary. I saw it. I definitely saw it. Did you like it? it? Yeah, I liked it. It was creepy. And and like once, (laughs) but you know, it's like hindsight too, because you think like the, like one of the ladies is like, oh, we have to wear a mask now. I'm like, you have no clue what's coming. (laughs) 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 Also, though, that's to go back to our other conversation before. Talk about storytelling and being improved by technology. Yes. All the videos, the video, that they had. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Documentary, I think, has benefited from technology big oh, time because yeah. you're able to capture this footage because yeah. people are always filming stuff, you know, and yeah. Yeah. so you can like get stuff and you can take it and you can use it. And it's 
is pretty amazing. Yeah. And I actually wondered about like, I had, you know, it's kind of the trauma of dating for people. See, I, I've been married for 17 years. So I, I've been out of that a very Congrats. long time. Thank you. <laughs> and it's been wonderful, but I was like curious about stuff that I'm not doing. So I've yeah. had like several like dating coaches, dating app, you know, founder, all that stuff on. And it's cool. just, I'm like, how do you guys do this? Like, what is this? <laughs> what is this? You know, like, what is that an experience that is very pervasive among 20 somethings at this point? I think so. I mean, I was so, it was so interesting because, uh, you know, in the, in like the height of the pandemic, um, I had a long-term boyfriend and I remember I said to my sister, you know, one of my friends was like, this is what's happening in the 20 something community. One of my friends, which a lot of people were going to like house parties, like going oh, okay. out, like going okay. to, you know, sure. and I was like, what? And then my sister said to me, you know, Kaylee, maybe you should be a little like considerate of the fact that you actually like live with your partner. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, so I did, I did get a front row seat to that. It seems like it was a bit of a depressing time. I think my friends that have been single have large, I don't know anyone that's gotten into a relationship really during the pandemic. Mm. Um, but the ones that have, I am fascinated by, like my, I guess my sister did get, start dating someone in September. Mm. And I was like, you guys have never seen each other at a bar. That's amazing. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually very, that's, I'm curious about that actually. That's really right? fascinating. Well, they came to a house party at my apartment, um, like, you know, a few weeks ago. So yeah. we're all vaccinated now, yeah. but um, it was a, sm a very small party, but yeah, they definitely were, uh, it, it seemed like they'd never been to a bar together. It was cute. They were like all <laughs> over each other. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's amazing. That's a story in itself. You know, think yeah. of all the love stories during COVID and yeah, yeah. You know, of all different types of love, you know, that's back to the storytelling is you can never run out of those stories. I think people love, they, people still love romantic comedies and, you know, yeah. and, and there's something about it that, and, and now there are different versions of, of those. Before it was a very stereotypical love story, man, woman, the whole thing. Right. Now it's much more diverse in that aspect, which totally. I think is great. I think yeah. it's really cool. So more yeah. stories are coming out during this time of relationships and spirituality and wellness and, mm -hmm. and how do we live in this world that is so, I always look at it as like, we're super, we're headed towards this technology super highway, but we also want to get rid of it at the same time. It's so strange. Isn't it strange? It's such a weird, it's such a weird dichotomy. I feel like I heard a rumor that um, I've heard from a few different places that like the prediction of sociologists for post pandemic is this renaissance of art and storytelling mm. and music and like love kind of, you know, and I, I hope that's what happens. I would love to go into like a repeat of the roaring 20s here. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I do think it's only natural. And maybe that's also why I'm interested in, in storytelling and pain and healing all mm -hmm. wrapped up in one because like, I do think it's only natural that when you go through something traumatic, eventually, like you want to tell the story, right? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's not true for everyone, but that's true. I think true a lot of people want to tell it. I mean, I've had so many people come on or like, I just want to tell my story of what happened to me and hopefully yeah. 
help other people. And they're often just very shocking. I'm like, really? That happened to you? You know, type of thing, you know, yeah. yeah, crazy stuff. You know, it's like talking to people is like talking about a, you know, a movie. Sometimes people's lives are literally like a horror movie. It's a romantic comedy. Their life is like a documentary. I mean, it's crazy. You know, so what's the most, what's the most shocking story from your life where people are like that happened to you from my life? Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm very exciting, actually. <laughs> no, wait, wait a minute. Let me, let me back up. Wait a minute. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. I got a lot of great party stories. Like I could <laughs> okay. fill up like 500 episodes of me partying. Okay. I didn't start partying till late in my life. I was a collegiate athlete. I didn't start partying until I was like 30. Literally. Oh, wow. What like, did you play? Up, I was a track and field athlete. Oh, cool. Sprinter. Cool. And, cool. Uh, you know, I didn't drink and do any of that stuff. And yeah. then like, I got my master's degree and I was like, started drinking, going to like Buffalo Wild Wings, like back in Virginia. <laughs> and I would show up to like my mat, one of my master's degree classes, pretty loaded, like every week. <laughs> yeah. I got an A though. Pretty good. Wow. What combo. <laughs> what, Buffalo Wild Wings, B-dubs. Yeah. B-dubs. B-dubs. Yeah. Yeah. I used to walk there and, uh... and I would have a Jaeger bomb and then I would oh. walk back and go to class, a statistics class, mind you. And I would sit there and I would like laugh during the whole class. I was like, it was weird, it was a weird time. Your statistics <laughs> professor was probably like, no one's ever found me so entertaining. Yeah, yeah. He's like, this guy laughs at everything I say, man. It's like, you know, yeah. but then like I moved to Las Vegas after my master's degree and went to UNLV wow. for my doctorate. And, you know, listen, it's Las Vegas. I had like crazy times for yeah. like 13 years living there. Oh my God. Oh I mean, my God. Like crazy. Wow. So when you live in Las Vegas, it doesn't get calmer. You don't become like a no. resident. Cause I, you know, I've been to Vegas and I know the, the hangover type, uh, yeah. you know, pot, but no, that was you every weekend. Uh, I think for the first six months I lived here, I was like clubbing, like my life depended upon it. <laughs> this was like back in 2000, like eight, seven, eight. Yeah. I mean, I was clubbing so hard every week. My, my wife and I, this is what we were doing. We're like, go clubbing every week, Amazing. stay up all night. And then I started, I was like, man, I'm getting kind of old for clubbing. I got to stop doing this clubbing. This is kind of weird stuff. You know, it's like, and I switched yeah. to happy hour. And then I just, just like started having all these friends going happy hour, joining bowling leagues, you know, like crazy, like, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm going bopping around Vegas, all over Vegas. You know, yeah. I'm just doing everything you could possibly think of there. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And I still do it. I still do it. It's like, before the pandemic, I was partying so hard, like in Vegas, like once a month. I would fly. I'm really? in Washington State, and I would fly down because a lot of my buddies live in Vegas still. Wow. Yeah. And then I flew back like a month ago to restart the engine. I was like, time uh-huh. to start this engine back up, fellas. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then I'm going back again in two weeks. <laughs> like, Amazing. I never stopped partying. <laughs> You're like, I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah. I, I feel like we're all like last, this past weekend on Saturday, I went to a comedy show and then to a bar and I I kid you not I'm a new New York resident like you know you know my situation and like I went by myself and it was so fun I can't believe how like thrilling it was just to stand in a bar with strangers that I had just met and not have masks on it was truly like amazing (laughs) I mean all right I got a story I got a I I okay. got a story. Okay. So okay, I, know, you got I don't want to take up all your time here, but I'm just, no, no, go I got for a it. great story here. So okay. once, so, okay. One time in Vegas, I was going downtown 
like um, downtown Vegas, Fremont Street. Pretty, it can be sketchy a little bit down okay, there. Okay, okay, okay. But uh, uh, one time there, I was like, you know what we should do? Let's take 30 milligrams of edibles before we go down there. We're going to get really high. And then we're going to go bar hop. <laughs> so <I'm> like, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't remember half the night and type of thing there, but we ended up in a, we ended up in a restaurant. We all ordered burgers and stuff. And one of my friends like wow. fell on the floor and started doing crazy stuff and dancing and Amazing. everybody was yelling Amazing. and we're dancing and doing stuff. And then, I mean, that was a very condensed version of the story. It was my, way worse than that. Right, <laughs> but, right, 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 right. The right. next best well, story. I was just talking. Oh yeah, go for it. No, no, you go, you go for it, go for it. No, I was just going to say, I was shocked when I went to Las Vegas and I realized you can just carry a plastic cup down the street. Oh yeah. No one's going to stop you. Yeah. You can just drink wherever you want. Yeah. It's amazing. And (laughs) I got into a dance off with the lead singer of Imagine Dragons also in Vegas. Who who won the dance off though? I did, of course. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. I was at a big, great Gatsby party at the Bellagio at the High Lounge. This story is amazing. Yeah. And I dressed up. I got the pictures. I tell you, I can prove it. I have a whole, I, and I have video of the dance off. Oh my God. It's amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, this guy looks familiar to me. And my buddy was like, yeah, yeah. That's the lead singer of Imagine Dragons. We went to high school together. So I was like, oh really? And then we start chatting, we're doing shots. And he's like, you want to dance? I was like, do I? I was like, you want to do a dance off? You ready for this? (laughs) And we just started ripping up the dance floor, man. It was great. You were confident. I want to see yeah, this video. Can you link the video? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's going to see it. I'll send it to you, but I'm not going <laughs> to. I mean, it's definitely funny. I'm not going to lie. It's definitely, you know what? You send, I'll send you some stuff, some pictures and stuff, and you'll see it. It's pretty good stuff. But I bet. I'm, I bet. I'm like the good time like- guy. Definitely. Yeah, you had enough good memories from Las Vegas alone to probably last, like, carry you through the whole pandemic. Oh you yeah. Just look at a different like month on your phone every. I'm every a very organized person too, so I have it all like really organized in my Dropbox of all my party videos and stuff like that. Mm. It's like yeah, I always remember <laughs> it, so I can always go back and go, oh, "Remember that in 2017?" You know, <laughs> like. You have scrapbooks of every vacation you've ever been on to oh, Vegas. I, That's I amazing. Got, I got them all listed in my Dropbox, all completely like organized. Like I'm all about memories. I love making memories, yeah. having yeah. experiences, you know, like sometimes it's like a little much and sometimes most of the time it's not, but it's, I mean, it's you're, all just, stories. you're just documenting, you're, you're documenting your human experience. And I love yeah. that. And I think that's, that's what I try to do too. I, when I, since I was little, I, have been like saving. We had to clean out my attic this summer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why did I save every t-shirt I ever wore when I was in fourth grade? And it's just because I was like obsessed with like, this is happening right now and it's the coolest thing ever. And I just right. want to document it and share it with people in the future. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, you know, I'm just really into stories. In fact, when I'm hanging out with my friends in Vegas, they were like, well, maybe we should go home. And I was like, maybe not, because the next thing we do might be an incredible story. Literally, we, yes. We need to like r- work through this, seriously. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. it's just for exactly. the story. <laughs> like, you won't regret it when you're telling your grandkids in yeah. 20, 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not apologizing. You know, I don't apologize about hanging out, man. I love hanging out. I enjoy it. I actually am very responsible. You know, yes. I, don't think, I, I, don't, I Uber everywhere I do. And I finish at like 9 p.m. Because yeah. I'm, 
I'm too old to be going out late at night, man. <laughs> Doing already that had, stuff. You've already had your good time. I had the yeah. good times early in the day. It's all, it's all good hanging out. And uh, I just love just the conversation. I mean, you know, you can go to a bar and talk to somebody about the cosmos and the planets. All of a sudden, it's like it's incredible. It's so awesome. It's so awesome. I mean, I always have to, at some point during any bar conversation, touch on the topic of astrology. Uh, <laughs> but other than that theme, you never know what you're going to get. Like I was this weekend with like comedians and then hearing how they, right. Like hearing how they ended up doing stand-up comedy in New York. Like that's, that's amazing. That's tough. You know, it's so fascinating. Yeah, it is. It does sound tough. (laughs) Wow. So you're, 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 you see this, this is the good thing about being together and hanging out with people is, and that's what I think sometimes the technology and storytelling, like we're saying sometimes ruins the storytelling. Because if you're on yeah. your technology and people are trying to chat with you, you're missing the story. You're missing all of yeah. this incredible eye contact and face-to-face and the, the mannerisms of somebody when they tell a story, you know, because you're checking something or whatever, you know? Completely, completely. I know. I know. I, I, when I first sat down at the show this weekend, like the girl next to me uh, was on her phone and then... I would have been on my phone too because I was alone and I was nervous, you know, mm. as one does. But then it died. So that was a blessing. Because yeah, then yeah. I ended up like yeah. being bored and talking to her. <laughs> and then turns out she's like a farmer from North Carolina what? that was on vacation. She makes mozzarella curds. Come I was on. like, this is the best thing that ever could have happened. Yeah. Wow. What a <laughs> we bar hops together all night. I know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's incredible. That is so um, incredible. I get where you're coming from with the whole like hanging yeah. out and just conversation and everything and hopefully now that now that we're able to be together again there will be this new breath of like stories that we can all share with each other we're all gonna make more stories here's another i'm gonna i'm gonna take this up a level here i have a lot of clients in la california next time i blow through there i have a bunch of people i'm gonna organize a nice party and uh you're invited we're all gonna have great storytelling Thank you. Great. That's that sounds amazing. Dream party. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah, why not? Well, Kaylee, thank you so much for uh, spending some time with me. I really appreciate it. So fun to talk to you. And uh, thanks, HBO, for sponsoring this episode. Thank you, HBO. <laughs> I wish, man. <laughs> Have a good one. Maybe this, I will will be be, maybe this will be it. I'll, I'll be in touch yeah. with you, okay? Okay, sounds All good, right. Dr. D. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the rate and review section. Thanks, everyone. Your favorite band's about to play a sold-out show. You got in. Over here. With a friend and found a spot close enough to see the set list. They're definitely playing your song. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. Sure, we have 30 seconds to tell you that drivers who switch to Progressive could save big. But then what? Well, there is a nice piece of stock music playing behind me that a talented composer worked really hard on. So let's enjoy it. Almost overshadows the saving big when you switch to progressive part. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.